Now, the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So, I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. Greetings and welcome to a special Monday night edition of the Shotgun Start. It is April 6th still. Andy, how are we doing? Brendan, such a quick turnaround here. Talking, uh, This is like it's Master's Week. It's like we're doing daily. Uh, that's true. A double dose of Brendan today. So fantastic. We uh, just gathered uh, around the dinner table here, 5 o'clock Eastern with uh, Eamon Lynch. To get, uh, you know, discuss the new schedule that came out or schedule, if that's your your inclination, um, that kind of came out from a, in a wave this morning from the various governing bodies. I got the emails were popping, uh, almost like at a CBD PR type pace, CBD oil PR relations type pace, just nonstop from the PGA Tour, from the USGA, from Augusta National. From the RNA, everybody. I got out. a, I got a PR, I got a press release about a uh, President's Cup uh, conference call too. What could that be about? Tomorrow, New who knows? Well, who's talking? Well, what, why is there demand for the President's Cup right now? Twenty twenty. Okay, unless okay, but anyway, I, I might dial in. I might, I, you know, I, I might decide that this is the one I'm going to dial into. Dial in, yeah. Just see so what's anyway. going on. With all these new schedule changes, we figured we'd do a quick impromptu podcast. Now, given these changes are not firm in nature, but it's what we have and it's what we're choosing to be optimistic. All the caveats come with this, right? This situation may worsen. They may be overly optimistic. They may be delusionally optimistic, some of them. But uh, with this new schedule, we decided to bring on Golf Week's Eamon Lynch, who's reported on this and kind of been pretty well-informed from the various governing bodies, whether it was a report last week in Golf Week or a report today on Golf Week about Riviera being a potential U.S. Open host. Uh, so he, eh, I guess, indulged our, our stupidity and, and gave us some time here to talk about some of the process of these organizations. He doesn't have much of a... a, a he's got a very short... Um, Amount of patience, patience for the egg. <laughs> um <laughs> So he indulged us, came on, kind of discussed about this process and these governing bodies coming to the schedule that we were given today. So uh, what follows is an interview with him. Just kind of a quick Monday evening, Tuesday morning snack for you. This is maybe what we intended the show to be, 25 (laughs) minutes. Instead of two hours on Curtis Strange. But here we are. So let's uh, give it away to Eamon. All right, we are now joined by Eamon Lynch, a friend, sometimes friend of the program, sometimes enemy of the program. He is a columnist at Golf Week and a contributor at Golf Channel. He has been reporting on the different scheduled machinations and discussions. Uh, First of all, Eamon, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, guys. Thanks. Uh, I know know this is tough for you to come on with with us. 
okay, I wasn't told Andy was going to be here as well. Do I have to talk to him? <laughs> They're slumming it now with, with the uh, shotgun start here. But I know listeners will appreciate it, given uh, the insights you've provided the golf world over the last week. So you had a report. Was it last Thursday? Was that the second? Yes. That sort of, I think, laid out pretty much everything we got this morning, Monday here, Monday morning, with um, the Masters going to November, a U.S. Open in September, Ryder Cup staying where it is. I think it's. it felt like the Open Championship was really holding everything up. Was that kind of your understanding based on your reporting? Yeah, everyone I talked to at the various governing bodies who was involved in trying to put this schedule together basically for the last three weeks ever since the world went pear-shaped at the Players' Championship. They were all sort of on the same page for a long time, working through details, but eventually the sticking point became the RNA deciding whether or not they were going to cancel it. Uh, some of these guys thought they would have a new schedule out last week, and then some of them thought they would actually have it out the week before that. Uh, so there was a lot of moving parts to it, but ultimately it all hinged on whether or not the RNA chose to cancel or to reschedule, because their rescheduling date would have been then September 17th to 20th and them having given up that date or that option that date then fell to the USGA put the US Open there how do you how did you but but you your reporting and your understanding was that they had first dibs on that date as opposed to the USGA USGA had flexibility there they were willing to give them that date or yield that date well, sure, because the ultimately we're in one of these countries here where you can you know live wherever you want based on the climate you want. You can play golf year round, and that's not true, yep. really, in in the United Kingdom. So the RNA had more limited options okay. to be able to play the Open Championship and particularly get the course conditions that they would have wanted. Whereas the USGA did have more options and were actively exploring more options right up until yesterday, until that, it finally became clear that the RNA had made their call. And that that's where that. Uh, California December uh, rumors had had surfaced. Uh, not rumors, Andy. They reported the facts. <laughs> uh, I, yes, uh, I was wondering if he was going to pounce on the rumor. I was like, I'm pretty sure that was in his report. I'm I'm a person yeah. that operates in very vague terms. You you're more you operate more in definitive reports. So maybe it's just you know rumors to me is way more than a hunch. You know that that's pretty much a report to me. Yeah, it was definitely more than a hunch. Uh, yeah, it was uh, whenever the RN or the USGA realized that June was not going to happen, they started looking farther out, and that included geographically, and they started looking at West Coast options. And there were a number of venues that they began conversations with. Uh, they had initial conversations with both Torrey Pines, which is supposed to host next year, and Pebble Beach, which hosted last year. And ultimately, their plan was uh, abandoned over the weekend. But what they had been looking at and focused on was taking the U.S. Open to Riviera in December. And, you know, the 1948 U.S. Open was held there. The 83 and 95 PGAs were held there. But generally speaking, for the last 25 years, Riviera has been considered one of those places where the footprint of the property was too small to host the infrastructure required for a, a modern-day major championship. But this, of course, would not have been a conventional major championship you probably are not going to see much of a corporate build out of hospitality at any tournament we see for the rest of the year including the u.s open perhaps even fewer fans less need for grandstands so you could argue that the u.s open is going to be conducted on the scale of perhaps a, a regular pga tour event perhaps even smaller than that 
and you know it hosts the Genesis Invitation every year at, at Riviera, so they can accommodate that. This might have been the only type of major championship Riviera could accommodate at this stage, but that's the direction the USGA told me they were looking at until it became clear that they could stay at winged foot in September. Well, speaking of that, I'm curious in, in your understanding and your conversations with these different organizations, what, what is their kind of stance, especially with the earlier, the PGA and the, the PGA tour events, what they're looking at from a fan standpoint, are we, are, is it kind of a play by year? Are they, are they expecting to have fans at these events or is it going to be limited to X number uh, or are they just crossing that bridge when they get to it? I think this all falls under what what Brendan's hero, Donald Rumsfeld, once described as the known unknowns. <laughs> and there are all of these sort of painfully detailed checklists that everybody is going to have to work their way through before a tee goes in the ground anywhere. And someone at the PGA Tour told me today they are looking at, they're keeping a very close eye on the idea of any kind of testing advances that would allow them to test players caddies and volunteers and of course that then implies that they could host a tournament without spectators and i think that's very much on on the ground uh, as as an option for them but ultimately we're in the position where the governing bodies and the pga tour it's not within their gift to resume the the pga tour season or for the professional golf season these are decisions that are going to be made by local and state authorities based on the circumstances that prevail in each area. And I don't think there's going to be any consistent approach to that. It really has to be ad hoc. Hey, Eamon, you know, there was in your reporting, um, which was yeah, what became the reality, there was, you know, the separate report in Golf Digest suggested there were insurance was behind some of the open, uh, the impetus for an open cancellation coming now in April, uh, several months or a few months ahead of when they would play. Did you get any of the, gather any of that in your reporting uh, enough to say or any any reason why the RNA was ready to cancel or or chose to cancel now? That seemed to be a factor based on the people that I was talking to okay. as well. The, the the digest report was a little more detailed on the on the insurance front. Um, it, it it's a viable okay. theory out there for sure as well. They seemed confident in their reporting of it, it but the reality is. If you're Martin Slumbers and you're going to cancel, if if the potential insurance coverage is diminished by rescheduling it and then canceling the reschedule, then why would you take the gamble in a country that is woefully beset by uh, the coronavirus issues right now and think that that couple of months is going to buy you the freedom that you need? It's, if you're him, you might think it's a gamble really not worth taking. What? Uh, so, so this... You've been really plugged into what it seems like this process of everyone coming together. It felt like in the first two, several two months of this year, it felt like there were maybe we were heading toward points of tension between the families, whether it was between the five families or organizations, whether it was the distance report where you know some of them may take contradictory positions, or the PGL obviously was throwing a wrench in things, TV negotiations. It just felt like there was a lot of uncertainty and very. Um, substitute under the foundations of the entire order of the game right now but it feels like this in the immediate aftermath of the players prompted some form of collegiality what's it seems like you're plugged into that process what was that process like what what happened immediately following the players isn't it amazing how quickly the former existential threat of the pgl has disappeared to the point that they're not even 
talked about anymore. Right. The, uh, I mean, the, this process to try to get to a, a renegotiated, revised schedule involved pretty much daily conference calls with all of the, the five families. And it was only the most senior figures in each organization that were really privy to the calls. And it's, you know, it became clear once the Olympics were canceled, for instance, that they had another week to play with. It became apparent early that both Opens were going to be at best uh, rescheduled or perhaps canceled. So those two weeks came into play. So the, the tour was trying to figure out exactly what could be played when. And the early discussions involved the tour trying to figure out if they could also restage the Players' Championship itself, having been abandoned after 18 holes. Um, but it was quickly determined that that wasn't likely to make the agenda. So all of the parts kept moving around. And ultimately, I think things became somewhat more strained at the end, mainly because the RNA were were holding out or not making the decision that other bodies thought was going to be made earlier. And the RNA probably had their own obvious reasons for not making that decision right. days ago or last week. But I think things were a little tense towards the end of this negotiation. So, and I'm not sure how it could be anything else, because everyone's ultimately trying to work their own side of the street in this kind of uh, situation and this is the best possible scenario I think they come up with. It's it's optimistic. It's it's aggressive, in in some respects of when they think they will start play, and it it also leads to a lot of knock on conversations, guys. I mean, if what ultimately if they don't start to say, let's say they don't start until July or they don't start until August because circumstances don't allow it, well then the, the people at the tour have told me they have to have a serious conversation as to what constitutes a credible. PGA Tour season and do they do a merge season where the events that they do play this summer come towards next year's FedEx Cup payout versus doing it off the back of just a handful of tournaments this summer. So it really does have a complete knock-on effect and nothing is going to be easy or traditional or business as usual for a while. I that I guess that's one of my questions that I've had this whole time with, you know, many of the bigger sporting organizations standing pat, you know, obviously the NFL has a lot of time till their season starts, but even the California governor spoke out about, you know, I don't, you know, that's he sounded very skeptical about NFL starting in California, you know, with all Mm -hmm. the, these different States having different timelines with this virus and, and no real playbook since nothing's ever happened like this before, I guess, you know, where I, I, did you get any sense of, why there was such an urgency to get this out there? Well, I think at a certain point, you have to put a stake in the ground. And it's easier for the NFL because their season doesn't start for another five plus months or whatever it is. And the you know the NBA season is pretty much gone at this point. And, but the golf season, we're right in the meat of it right now. And it's I, I think at a certain point, you have to put a stake in the ground for your best case scenario and then adjust to worst cases as they emerge or or change with the circumstances. And ultimately, that's what they're doing here. And I think everybody knows who's involved here that the the schedule that we end up playing is so unlikely to resemble what we had today. And there's still so many moving parts, which is why you see so many little windows on this schedule where they talk about a potential PGA Tour event being played. Mm. Well, just look at the places where events have been cancelled or perhaps might be cancelled or moved to those events early or mid-May, like Colonial and places like that. These are places like you know North Carolina, Louisiana, Texas. Right now in the Northeast, we're kind of in the middle of the, the epicenter of this uh, COVID-19 
pandemic, but you could perhaps argue by the time the US Open comes to Wingfoot in September, that New York will have a grip on it and hopefully we'll be in a much better position. But you can't legislate for what's going to happen in states that have found themselves now in the very early stages of, of this pandemic and how they react to it and how quickly it spreads and what the death toll is. And it's not even necessarily just relevant to where the tournament is being played because it's there, you know, there are bad optics attached. If you decide you're going to go play a, a golf tournament this summer in let's take the travelers in Connecticut, for example, you might say, okay, well, Connecticut's now got a grip on it by summertime. We're fine. But do you really want to play that when the body toll is in over a hundred thousand or 200,000 and it's in a pretty bad way in other parts of the country? So it's, you know, there are just so many moving parts that there is going to be some kind of retrenching and revising going on as we go forward because it couldn't be any other way. So this is the best case scenario. They understand that. They're obviously, these are, I, I think I listened to Mike Wan on No Line Up podcast last week and he, someone considered pretty thoughtful, uh, comprehensive leader in the game. And he, he seemed to be under the impression that they were going to start back up in mid-June. And this is someone, I think, whose voice was respected pretty early on in this process. I was a little taken aback, surprised by that. But I guess you have to operate, as you termed it, what they're calling the best-case scenario is what was released today. Yeah, I mean, this is basically a kind of guerrilla golf season that we're playing in now where the battlefield is shifting on a daily, if not hourly, basis. So you just take your little victories wherever you can get them. And, you know, it's a victory today to get three of the four majors scheduled. Yeah and to, to keep a Ryder Cup. And that's ultimately, and maybe that's enough to keep us going for today, but it's all going to change again. I mean, the first PGA Tour event that is unnamed to be penciled in on the schedule is that US Open week in mid-June. And as of now, the events that are scheduled for the last couple of weeks of May have not yet been cancelled. I think there's an expectation that they will at least be reshuffled into June at some point, and perhaps Jack's tournament at the Memorial will happen maybe U.S. Open week. But again, who knows what the situation is going to be in, in Ohio by the time we get to there or in any of these other places that we're going to play events. The PGA of America has been assured by you know, the state and local government in California that they believe it's feasible to, to play the PGA Championship at Harding Park in, in August. And to me, that seems the diciest of, sure. of the major championships at this point it's because it's the first and it's so early in the game. But they are determined to try to play it that week. Let's hope they get to play it at Harding Park. But at a certain point, if the circumstances don't allow it, they're going to look for other options and see what exists. Has there been any conversation, particular with the USGA, about using both courses at Wingfoot uh, due to light concerns? Obviously, in June, and you know when they host it in June, it's some of the longest days of the year. And moving to towards the back half of September all of a sudden you're dealing with significantly shorter days. Yeah, the they're not going to use both courses. I mean, the East course obviously is better than, than most courses in the, in the <laughs> New York area. It's, it's hosted two U.S. Women's Open. It's hosted a Senior Open. But that is not the direction they're going in. The USGA confirmed to me earlier that they're going to reduce the size of the field for the U.S. Open. So instead of the traditional 156 players, they're going to go to 144 and if you compare it to the last East Coast U.S. Open at Shinnecock two years ago, the, they were going off split tees. The last tee time of the day went off at about, I think it was 2.32 p.m. So if you're taking out essentially 12 players, um, then you end up saving yourself about 22 minutes or so each day, which is not an insignificant amount of time when you're trying to chase daylight. 
out there. And ultimately, I think that's the direction they're going to go. They're just going to take 12 slots out of the field and play it on the West course at Wingsfoot. Last one, building off that. Um, do you have any, ex- is, is it your understanding that this is the last, it, it's, it's Wingfoot in September or nothing. So say we get to July or August and it's like the situation right now. Is there any chance they could then again postpone and bring the West Coast option later in the year back on the table? Or is this the one and only kind of rescheduling they'll be doing? Oh, I think everything's on the table at okay. this point. I mean, they, I, I think they've all, agree to this joint uh, schedule in hopes that this is what they'll be able to play, but understanding that circumstances will change things. And if it becomes particularly apparent for whatever reason to the USGA over the course of the summer that it's not looking feasible or safe to play at Wingfoot in September, they may well decide to play it at Riviera or anywhere else, maybe Torrey Pines or Pebble on the West Coast because ultimately you're not going to be seeing a traditional major championship of that scale, which has all of the, the corporate build out and all of the associated ancillary business that goes on around a major championship. So it could, all of them are going to look very different. They're going to look perhaps much smaller for, instead of the masters. Of course, I still expect them to be able to pull off whatever they want to do sure. that week in November. But I, I think everything's on the table of where we end up. Last one, in your opinion, as a you're a reporter, but you're also a, a talking head pundit, you know, uh, amongst other things, uh, less complimentary. Uh, in your opinion, who do you think made the most concessions here uh, of the governing bodies and, and of the these major organizations? Who, who do you think made the most concessions? Who do you think maybe gave the least? I, I suppose everyone kind of decided to work together to do what they could to save what they could, but. Is there one organization that's really kind of taking it, uh, taking taking it the hardest? I don't really think so because if you look at what happened in tennis, I mean the French Open just routinely decided itself to announce right. when it was going to reschedule, and then they turned around and a guy like Rafa Nadal says, "Well, I won't be there." So you can't uh, kind of go rogue right. and expect everyone else to sort of go along with you. And I think it, it had to be a collaborative process. And ultimately, I think the USGA was showing more creativity than anyone. But of course, they could afford to because they had the options of where they wanted to go. And, you know, the PGA Championship had decided to reschedule itself pretty early in this process. It was more than a couple of weeks ago. They selected that date in early August, which might come back to haunt them some way, because that is definitely the most aggressive date that's out there. But ultimately, it's, uh, you know, all hands together around the table and try to figure out who can do what, because it's not as though they had a lot of options either. I mean, no one was going to go out there and declare themselves, I'm taking this week, and then hope that the players and the tour and everyone else went with them, because you don't really want to be hanging out there on your own in this environment. You know, I got to ask, was there any talk about rescheduling the uh, the players to get that fourth major tag this year? Well, it's it would it's a step up from being the fifth major, but yes, they did <laughs> talk about it. And I know we've had this debate before. You you do like to try to make this endlessly childish little point, Andy, that it's not a major, but it's, uh, it's definitely on a par it, by any criteria you choose to mention. It's on a par with all of the other events, or at least four of them this year. By the way, he did mention that at the top. 
Andy. Uh, he did. He did say the players. There, there was an effort to try to reschedule the players. I don't know. Well, Andy doesn't that. listen. Andy I, talks, I got, but Andy doesn't listen. I got one other question for you. I heard you say. I, think, I heard you say schedule, and I was listening to the Pepper Pod the other day. And Eddie Pepperell. Yeah, Eddie Pepperell says schedule, and Andrew Cotter is uh, his co-host says schedule. Mm-hmm. Justin Rose says schedule. Is it schedule or schedule? And what's the differentiation? The delineation? Who says what? Well, you're you're talking about three English guys. So why don't you go ask them instead of asking the Irish guy? <laughs> well, I'm just curious. I I think I'm I'm sure I've heard an Irishman, uh, you know, say schedule too. That's what Google is for, Andy. <laughs> All right, uh, Eamon, Thank you for your time. I know you're Always busy. Uh, this is a columnist at Golf Week, contributor at Golf Channel. Thank you for the time. Appreciate it, Eamon. 